edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that once prompted the barefoot Contessa to exclaim, how great is that? Greetings, I'm Andrew Halkrow, your cordial conductor for this crazy train. With me, as always, is my main man, my co-host with the very most, Mr. Van Sanders. Oh, wise one, what is the good <laughs> word for the day? Uh, wise one. Wow, I've never been called that. Um, I'm not sure I'm wise, but I can echo the wise. And I would say, most excellent. Most excellent. On this episode of With All Due Respect, they say that if a butterfly flaps its wings in the Amazonian rainforest, it can change the weather a half world away. It's called the chaos theory. I mean, what the chaos theory means is everything that happens in this moment is an accumulation of everything that's come before it. So today, I'm going to tell you how an embrace in Moscow, Russia, 10 years ago has resulted in library books being taken off the shelves in Anchorage, Alaska. In entertainment, our own Maya Nolan Partnow is back just in time to share her thoughts on summer fashion. And in closing comments, Alaska's legend Don Young passed away suddenly last week, thus creating a political vacuum many are rushing to fill. I'll tell you what's what, who's who, and what we're going to do. So, to quote the great Barefoot Contessa, if you can't make your own podcast, Storebot will do just fine. All right, let's talk some politics. politics. And now, for some politics. In politics today, it is absolute chaos. In what has appeared to be a random confluence of anger and suppressed hatred at everything from local school boards to the LGBTQ community, the fact is this isn't random at all. The anger in this country, the political drive-by shoutings, the attempt to take away basic human rights, it's not random at all. In fact, it's a product of the chaos theory. In order to understand this better, we need what only this podcast can give you, a history lesson. Yo, Van, hit me one time with a history lesson. A history lesson. In March of 2012, the world was a calmer place. America's economy was recovering after that brutal 2008 financial crash, and President Barack Obama was on track to win a second term. Meanwhile, in Russia, President Vladimir Putin had just been elected to his third term. After solidifying his role as Russia's unchallenged leader, Putin set out to strengthen his control over the Russian people by increasing his soft power. Now, soft power refers to power that is acquired through the work of others by reinforcing your political message. To satisfy this desire, Putin turned to the most powerful soft power in history, religion. Putin wrapped his arms around the leaders of Russia's Orthodox Church, led by Patriarch Cyril, and his 90 million followers. Beginning in 2012, Putin, with the help of Cyril, began what they called a moral cleansing of Russia. Cyril, a former KGB agent like Putin, was elected to head Russia's church in 2009, praised Putin as a miracle of God. 
Meanwhile, Putin worked to frame Russia as a defender of conservative Christian values, which usually meant opposing abortion, feminism, and LGBTQ rights. Meanwhile, back in the good old U.S. of A., Christian leaders were demoralized watching a second Obama term, and the Supreme Court had just legalized same-sex marriage. Looking to Russia and Putin's hardline embrace of government and religion acting as partners, the pitch proved popular among a broad swath of conservative Christian leaders, including prominent voices within the American religious right. In March of 2014, evangelist Franklin Graham wrote an editorial celebrating Putin's decision to back a law barring dissemination of propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations, a statute which effectively banned children from accessing media that presents LGBTQ identities and relationships in a positive or normalizing light. A year later, in March of 2015, your host, your humble host, was running for the mayor of Anchorage and attended the governor's prayer breakfast, where I listened to the same absolutely unhinged Franklin Graham rail about the moral failings in this country and how we were all doomed to hell. Seven months later, Graham would travel to Russia, where he would meet with both Cyril and Putin, and afterwards he told local media that, quote, millions of Americans would like Putin to come and run for president of the United States. Twelve months later, Franklin Graham's prayers for an American morality cleanse would be delivered after he and other prominent religious figures like Jerry Falwell Jr. mortgaged their souls to support and help elect America's version of Vladimir Putin. Now, to show the stunning transformation of the Republican Party feelings towards Putin after Graham met with him in 2015, consider this. In Gallup opinion polls before 2015, Republicans generally viewed Russia less favorably than Democrats did. Today, it's completely the other way around. In July of 2014, just 10% of Republicans held a favorable view of Putin. By September of 2016, that number had rose to 24%. And by June of 2021, 37% of Republicans held a favorable view of Putin. During Trump's four years, the far right learned that soft power was everything. They were able to co-opt easily led Republicans and fine-tune their religious attacks on everything from school boards to librarians. They became emboldened with this new era of jumping into bed with politicians, as we all witnessed when former Anchorage Baptist Temple pastor Jerry Prevo was caught on tape last summer in Virginia saying that federal laws that prohibit religious groups from endorsing political candidates should be ignored. To Pastor Prevo, who had an absolute stranglehold on the Alaska Republican Party for decades, the last five years, aided by his fellow religious leaders and complicit public officials, have fueled heady days among him and his religious followers. Prevo and his ilk have given the trickle-down theory of hate new life, from school boards and librarians to women's rights. They've ushered in a new era of blue laws. They've destroyed the legible lines between church and state. Look no further than the upcoming Anchorage Municipal election, where Prevost's successor has given over $7,000 in donations to local political candidates that he promotes regularly to his thousands of church followers. Look, I'm Catholic, but shouldn't the Bible read the same for all religions? Because I'll be damned if my catechism didn't teach me that Jesus tossed the money changers out of the temple. He didn't invite them in and write them a fat check. So you have to ask... What has this attempt to cleanse morality and restore 13th century values done for public policy? What has it gotten us? 
Well, it has gotten us moral soldiers who lack morals. It's given us the rebirth of the moral majority, who is neither moral nor a majority. It's given us the likes of former Republican Attorney General Kevin Clarkson, the moral crusader who spent most of his career trying to force government to take away the reproductive rights of women, while at the same time the dude was sexually harassing a single mother of two. It's also given us the likes of Governor Mike Dunleavy, who has given Alaskans three years of cover-ups and moral failures. And it's given us the likes of Mayor Dave Bronson, whose administration for the first time in Anchorage's history has been called out for lying to the public. Not once, but twice, by Alaska's largest newspaper. This perverted attempt by the religious right to force society's morals back to the 13th century has given us incompetence, cronyism, and lies. The last five years of divisiveness in American politics has been enabled by politicians like Alaska's own U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan, who has refused to raise any concerns even after the nation's capital was violently attacked. I mean, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, every time I think about Senator Dan Sullivan turning his back on democracy, it makes me furious. Imagine coming home after work and having the following conversation with your partner. Yeah, hi. Uh, Hey, my place of work was violently attacked today. Yeah, I had to run and hide behind locked doors praying no harm would come to me or my colleagues. I mean, my place of work was destroyed. The police who guard me were beaten and killed. And later this year, four officers will commit suicide because of what happened today. Yeah, hey, and oh, by the way, I had the chance to find out why this happened but I voted no. I mean, imagine having that conversation. You you can't. You can't imagine that conversation. And just like Sullivan, most of his colleagues are complicit because they want to stay in power at the expense of morals and honesty. Well, at the end of the day, democracy isn't stronger. It's just weaker. Do you remember last year when Mayor Dave Bronson was swept into office riding the anger of voters on several pandemic-related issues? One of those issues was the Assembly's potential purchase of the Golden Lion Hotel for a treatment center. Do you remember how then-candidate Bronson told voters he'd sell the hotel to protect the neighborhood? Remember that? Well, today, one of Bronson's campaign donors is running the facility as a treatment center. And guess what? There are no plans to sell it. And now it appears the Bronson administration may have been secretly subsidizing the Golden Lion property by covering the utility costs for his campaign donor with taxpayer funds. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we're at. This is the chaos theory. This is the result of a butterfly flapping its wings halfway around the world. Incompetence, greed, dishonesty wrapped up in a host of naked partisan religious attacks on basic human rights. Attacks on everything from the books our children can read to the credibility of our elections. Attacks on the personal health care decisions made by women to the blatant demonization of the LGBTQ community. There is a real holy war that America is fighting today. Almost 40 years ago, the great actor Robert Guillaume hosted an episode of Saturday Night Live at a time the world was a powder keg of polarization. There is too much polarity in the world. I want some moderation and I want it now, Guillaume said. If I don't get some moderation, and I mean quick, I'm going to bust some heads. Are you with me? Moderation now, Guillaume asked the cheering audience in his opening monologue in March of 1983. Forty years later, it's the very same ask. 
Moderation now. Are you with me? And now, entertainment. In entertainment, it's spring fashion time, and somebody looks fabulous! So in addition to your fashion-conscious hosts reminding you that real men love their pinks and yellows, our own Maya Nolan Partnow is here with her take on spring fashions. Figuring out what constitutes work-appropriate attire in Alaska can be a bit of a challenge, even at the best of times. For Alaskans coming back to work after two years of zooming in from home in soft pants, who can no longer simply stumble into Nordstrom and find a reasonably decent outfit in a pinch, well, I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. Especially if they're extra toughs, which I hate to break it to you, are only appropriate for a professional setting if your office is a boat. If it's been a while since you needed to get dressed and your closet is in need of a refresh, this segment is for you. Today, we're talking spring-summer fashion trends and how you can adapt them to your Corona Times Workaprobes wardrobe. First off, grab the scissors. Cutouts are big this season. It turns out the cold shoulder trend of 2017 isn't over. It has just migrated down the body with keyholes and peekaboo features on dresses and tops. This trend wouldn't seem like a fit for the office in normal times, but as we know, these times are anything but normal. Instead of a cutout dress or blouse, consider pairing your slacks or skirt with a fan-powered inflatable playhouse with cutouts for your eyes and hands. Think of it as a fashion-forward way to help your coworkers social distance while also serving as your personal air circulator. Spring colors are trending toward highlighter hues, like hot pink and lime green, as well as the soft, buttery yellow of a classic post-it note. Bold fashionistas are wearing these shades on statement trouser suits, but if your style is a little more subdued, you can add a pop of these colors with a pocket square scarf or face mask. If you have to be back in the workplace in person, perhaps you can assuage your existential dread by coordinating your outfit with your office supplies. You're probably aware of the 90s renaissance in current fashion. And since the 90s were, in turn, heavily influenced by the 1970s, naturally, platform shoes are back. If you can manage to wear these without breaking an ankle, I say go for it. The higher, the better. When the new Omicron subvariant hits your office, you'll be glad to be breathing the germ-free air near the top of the cubicle farm. Mini skirts too, are back in a big way. And this time around, they are super, super, super short consider sporting one as a statement piece. If your boss complains, let them know that with inflation on the rise and wages stagnant, this is all the material you can afford. Finally, the Regency era is also influencing spring and summer styles. Think pearls, lace, ruffles, and feminine details that would earn Lady Whistledown's seal of approval. I have personally invested in a Hill House nap dress in a charming floral print. As for the workplace, well, coming back to the office is a chance to show everyone how you've grown and evolved through your diverse range of interests during this time of self-reflection. So I say, really go for it. If you're going to wear a brocade empire waist and pearls, lean into it. Take it to the limit. Put your hair up and cut a tiny fringe of curly bangs. Speak with a British accent. Bring your lady's maid to help you in and out of your coat. Pretend to be romantically involved with a rakish duke. Give them something to talk about around the old water cooler. Unless it's been removed for sanitary reasons and replaced with a jug of hand sanitizer. Politics, life, 
In closing comments, Alaska has lost a legend. Last week, Alaska's lone congressman Don Young passed away suddenly after a remarkable career of serving Alaskans in D.C. Man, that guy was something. Almost every Alaskan has a story about Don Young, and that in and of itself proves his reach and impact over the last 50 years. So with the passing of Young, a temporary vacancy has been created in Congress that will be filled by two special elections. The special primary is scheduled for June 11th, with the top four vote-getters advancing to the ranked-choice primary slated for August 16th. The June 11th election will be 100% mail-in ballot, where the state will send every registered voter a ballot and, in addition, pay for the return postage. How great is that? So, we know when the election will be held, we know how the election will be held, but we don't know the field for the election. So, who will put their name on the June 11th ballot? Well, since it's an open ballot and this is a very rare opportunity, I would say just about everyone. Trust me, there will be no shortages of candidates on the June 11th ballot. This is a low-risk, high-reward proposition that even your humble host is seriously considering running to fill this four-month term. In the initial launch episode of this podcast almost a year ago, I stated that I never intended to seek public office again. However, I would gladly eat a piece of humble pie in order to bring a much-needed voice of moderation to Alaskans. This proposition looks so inviting. A quick race, an open ballot, the first election featuring ranked choice voting, which I publicly campaigned for back in 2020, and not to mention I'm one of the few remaining moderate Republican voices in Alaska. No expectations, no constraints. There couldn't be a better scenario for a moderate to make some hell. As Robert Guillaume asked 40 years ago, moderation now. Are you with me? And there is the music, ladies and gentlemen, and you know what that means. Our time is up. Please subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss an episode. Van, how about your website details? Yes, if you go to abodabobrand.com, you can see some of my work and reach out to me. That's A-B-O-D-A-B-O-B-R-A-N-D.com. That is our time, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, we thank you for yours. 